Welcome to Travel Worth Living, a travel podcast helping to share adventure stories from around the world. My name is Seth, and I'll be your host as we talk with someone who has grown to love Iceland over the past few years. Our guest this week is Jules, a woman who is originally from New York, but is now living in Iceland and runs a podcast and YouTube channel called All Things Iceland. I was excited to talk with her about Iceland from an expat's point of view, and it was fun diving in to hear about her cultural experiences in the country. We talk about everything from taxes and politics to language difficulties and Icelandic habits which Jules has picked up. I know you're going to really enjoy this episode, so without further ado, here is Jules. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Tell me about how you came to Iceland, where you were kind of born and raised, and and what made the transition for you. Yeah, I'm born and raised in New York City, specifically in Brooklyn, New York, in Bushwick, of all places. And I say that because now Bushwick is one of the coolest places to live or something like that, according to Vogue magazine a couple of years ago. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, nice. what? No one wanted to live in Bushwick when I lived there, okay? When I was born in the 80s and growing up in the 90s, early 2000s, it was not cool. So this is kind of interesting to grow up in a city with, you know, a lot of diversity. And I spent the majority of my life there, except for the four years that I went to college in upstate New York to a school called Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, or RPI. It's easier to shorten it. And... That was an experience too, of course. It felt like going to another world because you're going to this small town and it's like, this is boring. <laughs> I worked, like, yeah, I worked a summer in upstate New York and it's so funny because everybody's talking about like the memes, like what you think of New York and it shows New York City skyscrapers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like what New York actually is. It has the Adirondacks and like the beautiful lakes and the forest. Yeah, gorgeous. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. Not, yeah, it's not what you expect for sure. Or at least not what people talk about when they say New York. Yeah. So, yeah. And I ended up while I was in college. So I'm, I met a guy at a party. His name is Orre or his name is Orre. He's Icelandic. And we were joking around, meaning like I was pretending to have an English accent at this party. Because I just thought it was fun. We're in college, you know, drinking, whatever. And, and he comes over and he's like, oh, are you from England? And he has an English accent. And I was like, no. <laughs> you know? And I was like, are you? And he's like, no. <laughs> and we were both like, they were both laugh- laughing. And he's like, you want some vodka? And I was like, yeah. So we just start like chatting and having fun and we become friends and at one point he has Icelandic friends coming over to visit him at school and he's like you should come we're gonna have a party and I was like great and one of those people who came to visit is you know would later in the future become my husband Gunnar at that time though we had no intention of being in a relationship where you know he was in college in Iceland and mm-hmm. I didn't even know anything about Iceland besides seeing a book of Icelandic that belonged to Orre and I literally thought it was a joke. Like I laughed when he showed it to me. Like I remember this distinctly because I was like, there's no way anyone can read this. And I just closed the book and I gave it back to him and I was just like, huh. You know, in your mind thinking like, glad I don't have to worry about that. Right? Yeah. The things you what kind of language is this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so and it took some years. So Facebook was the almighty connector of, mm. <laughs> of Gunnar and I, because I was friends with Orre. And of course, Gunnar, when they opened it up to, you know, play for schools outside of the United States or opened it up to everybody, Gunnar saw that I was a mutual friend with Orre. Wait, wait a second. So you were on Facebook when it was just like the college social media group? Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So like I, our year was 
basically like when it came out and it was only available to colleges. And I remember everyone in school being like, get on Facebook, get on Facebook. And it's like, what's this stupid Facebook? And I'm not, I'm not an early adapter type of individual, even though I was going to a school where it was like engineering nerds. I'm studying engineering, but I was like, I don't know about this Facebook. Right. <laughs> so I waited probably like a month or something before I got on it. And then I was hooked. And then it was like, you're connecting with people from other schools and whatever else. But it was, it was so small of a network, but it seemed so large at the time, you know, mm-hmm. and everyone had like hilarious profile pictures and it was just a simpler time, if you will. <laughs> like, Before social like, media turned our world upside down. Yeah, it became a business for people, right? Yeah. So when it did open up to people and, and Gunnar could become a friend with me, that was more of like, oh, how are you doing? So our story was is very like, we started as people who had met at a party, found the other attractive, but didn't go anywhere with it. And then later on, just communicating through Facebook Messenger sometimes, he ended up getting married to uh, a woman that they both um, moved from Iceland to the United States to study and get a P- their PhDs. And so my my thought process, of course, is that this guy is really cool, but he's just my just random friend I have from Iceland, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. it's just, to me, there's not much else going on and for him too. Yeah, everyone's just kind of like, we're just cool. And life is just continuously happening, but we do keep in contact every once in a while. And I have other friends where you're like, it's not unusual just to fall off. And then you go like, hey, hey, three months later, like, oh, sorry, I didn't answer that. My bad. <laughs> right? So like, yeah. Good to hear from you. Glad you're alive. <laughs> so, Pick up where we left off. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he would come to New York sometimes because his brothers were studying in New York. And I've met his wife, I met his mom, who later would become my future, my mother-in-law. You know, it's just like, you just don't know <laughs> what's happening or what's planned later on. And yeah, it's it happened once where we both were single at the same time. And he had called me from his mentor's uh, place and he was visiting in Atlanta. So he had been living in the U.S. for quite a while at this point. And he was like, you know, it would be nice for us to meet up. We haven't seen each other in a long time. And I was like, yeah, that, that's true. It would be fun. So we'd had like a, um, we met up in Chicago of all the most random places, but he was living in Indiana. Yeah, I know. It's just like, uh, why? But, <laughs> but I'd never been to Chicago and it was like an easy flight, not expensive. And it was easy for him to take the bus up from Indiana, from um, Muncie, is it? <laughs> The town and just go, yeah, it's just like, this is even you say the name. I, I'm not, I'm not trying to take a poop on Muncie, but it's like people would call it Funcy because Funcy, it's not that fun. <laughs> they tried, you know, but, um, and during that weekend, which was Memorial Day weekend of 2013. Yeah. We just... It was, it was like we were meant to be a couple all this time, meaning like not in the moments beforehand, but there was something that attracted each other, each us to each other then because we had both been saying to each other like, oh, you know, I, I said I don't want to have a partner that's long distance because I had gotten to a point where I trusted him as a friend. So I could just tell him whatever. Like there was nothing yeah. that, like so that was because I'm like, I'm not going to be with him. Right. Because yeah doesn't fit the things that I said, meaning like, no long distance, no this, blah, blah, blah. And he, and for me, it's like, he wants to move back to Iceland. And so he's like, I'm not going to be with anybody until I move back to Iceland. So we're just saying no to things that yeah. there's this no one to say work. no to. First of all, yeah, the person, you know what I mean? This, it's not like we're going through lists of being like, not you. It's like, whoever comes along, if they don't fit this. <laughs> and and someone came along and, and didn't fit some of those things. And yet here we are. <laughs> and we ended up being in a long distance relationship for three years. Oh, that's so tough. 
Yeah. And he moved back to Iceland. And then I, after securing a job, so that was another part of our agreement as a couple, was that I'm totally fine. Because he told me from the get-go, I am planning to move back to Iceland, just FYI. And I was like, awesome. I'll come to Iceland. I didn't know anything. And in regards to, like, what to expect, whether, like, you know, I knew where it was on the map. But my impression of Iceland is like most other people, your imagination takes over. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, this is going to be terribly cold and blah, blah, blah. Very different than that often. I mean, it's it's cold, but I've, I've assimilated it to being like yeah. not so cold. But um, it's yeah. It's not as and... brutal as people think no, most of the year. No. Yeah, exactly. Most of the year. <laughs> <laughs> and I moved in 2016 after landing a job. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah, and then once you came here, uh, when did you start the All Things Iceland brand? <laughs> 2018. Okay. So, yeah, and I it was I was working a lot from my my literally the day I got off the so the day I landed, I basically had time to rest and the very next day I went to work. So it was like, you know, my whole life coming to Iceland felt like a a rush to get into society in a way, right? And yeah. even that summer, I was like working like crazy just to prove that, you know, they made the right decision because I'm coming into a new culture. It's a language I understand. So I was like, my way of showing that I belong here is just working really hard and getting good results. But after a while, that becomes really <laughs> taxing and boring. And Icelanders, for instance, like over the summer, there's like things I was picking up on that I didn't realize were a thing. But 2016 was a decent summer. And so people were leaving early from work, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, and I'm having New York mode. So I'm like, this is so irresponsible. <laughs> people were just leaving <laughs> because the weather's good, you know, like in New York or where maybe where the places that you lived, it's like if you have a solid season, this is, you know, you expect this certain type of weather like new york yeah. it's like june is okay then when you hit like mid to late july and early august it's awful it's just disgustingly wet and hot and then after that it's like oh relief you know so yeah. you just know what to expect whereas in iceland it's not like that the summers can be whatever they can they could not come actually we had that yeah. in 2018 where we did when summer never showed up <laughs> so I have been, and one of the things too with winter is that I always give myself a creative project to work on in winter in order to cope. Like I learned from my first winter after being brutal, meaning like the darkness and like really seeping into my brain and needing like a daylight lamp or whatever that I was like, I need something to take my mind off of the fact that this is, it's going to come and yeah. it's going to stay for a while, right? <laughs> it's like, it's so the podcast. Winter is coming. Winter is coming, yeah. And the podcast was just something I'd been binge listening to Tim Ferriss, his interviews. Okay. And just here it's a lot of motivational type stuff that happens on his I don't know if you listen to it, but I I, I haven't I, actually. Okay. So maybe I was just gravitating to to the words the ones that had like more motivational stuff and like you can you know, whatever. These people have done amazing things. And I and I started looking for podcasts about Iceland. But I didn't find one. There were there are definitely podcasts in regards to Iceland, but I didn't find one that fit what I wanted. So I like to have like a little bit of the language aspect. I like to hear mm-hmm. people's perspectives. I like to hear like where should I travel? How do I prepare? All these things. And that didn't exist. So at first I was like, all right, well, I guess there's not one then <laughs> going about my life. But then it hit me one day and I was like, why, why don't I start my own podcast? And I was 
oh my, I was so reluctant at first because I was like, I don't have a studio. I don't have, you know, a good microphone. Like I have none of the things. And yet inside of me, there was just like, you have to do this, do it. Right. And it's just like, no, <laughs> because I don't want it to sound bad. Blah, blah, blah. And I went through so many periods of like recording, looking up things, DIY. And I came to the conclusion of recording in my closet is great. So I we do We all that. start there. That's what yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do that with my guests. <laughs> like, <laughs> even though someone asked me one time, they were like, so are we going to get in your closet to do this? I was like, no, have you seen my closet? It's not a walk-in closet. I have to take things out of it for me to be able to get like, sit in there crouched with clothes around me. And I just, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so yeah, it's just really fun. It was like, it's a challenge. Right. And yeah. I, I saw it as this great opportunity to problem solve. And that's essentially what the podcasting became. And it's, it continues to be that way. Like I'm always thinking of new things or whatever. And, but, um, where I worked had a big, I guess, impact on why I decided to podcast too, meaning the topic of Iceland, because I worked for an, uh, outdoor adventure company okay. and they introduced me to, amazing nature in Iceland and I just fell in love with this and I could understand why other people would fall in love with it and I wanted to kind of bring that passion so you weren't working as a as a, an engineer you were working more in the tourist industry then mm -hmm. yeah so my transition in life has been so funny because <laughs> I graduated with a degree in biomedical engineering uh -huh. and I thought to myself even when I, so when I was doing the work in school specifically like lab work I was a materials major which was not at the time, I wasn't really thinking about like how this would socially impact my life. And so you're in a lab and you're doing tests, whatever else. And you're just like, yeah, this, this is not very social. <laughs> I just didn't feel like and as a social person, it's kind of hit me that I was like, what am I doing? Why am I doing that? I mean, I could have gone off and maybe done sales or something, but my heart just wasn't in that. And I thought, okay, I, when I graduate, what I'll do is I'll take some time off to think about it. And weirdly enough, I had to have hip surgery. So it was like, I had plenty of time <laughs> because the recovery, part of the recovery for the surgery was I couldn't walk on my right leg for a month. I couldn't put any weight on it because they created a microfracture mm. at the, um, at the joint, at the hip joint in order to have some, they call it like, it's like a replacement cartilage in essence. Like your body has this response will create some. And so, yeah, laying in bed for close to a month on drugs though, sometimes to be fair. So it wasn't necessarily like, it wasn't always like lucid, you know, but, um, but still I started to think about like what impact I wanted to have in the world and what was really driving me. And I thought, yeah, I should go into nonprofit. Right. So I ended up getting a fellowship to do this nonprofit work. And I worked at this place called the White House Project where they helped women to get elected for political office. And I kind of just like went from there trying different things. And I realized like nonprofit was not what I thought it was. And I don't want to put up with that because it's not my passion. So let's not put myself in that position. And then somehow I got into marketing and then worked for a, a company that was doing conferencing and working with digital marketers specifically, we're targeting digital marketers. And so I learned a lot about digital marketing and was starting to kind of incorporate it within the job I was doing. And that gave me skills then for coming over to Iceland to work in marketing, specifically doing digital marketing for this adventure company. How cool. That's yeah. awesome.
Yeah, so then you fell head over heels in love with Iceland. (laughs) Yeah, yes, yes. You know, I'm definitely going to link your podcast and YouTube channel in the show notes. Uh, I've started perusing it a little bit, and you have a lot of awesome content. Tell me about some of the – what are some of the most exciting things that you've uh, done as you've started this All Things Iceland brand? Um, Whether it's, yeah, digging into the history of Iceland or certain aspects, what – What's kind of some things that have stood out to you? Yeah, I think it's just the layers within the society have been the most interesting to me because you come in with these rose-colored glasses as Mm -hmm. a foreigner hearing about Iceland. Everything about Iceland that's marketed for the most part is the most perfect, best place you can be. It's the most peaceful, most friendliest. It's everything that could be most, right? (laughs) And then you come in and and you're an individual that's learning that these are people. They have complex emotions. They have aspects to their society that are different than yours, but you might disagree with. And then there's other aspects that are still like amazing, right? So there's this mix going on and your brain is like, ah, I don't know how to feel, right? Like, should I be happy because I have healthcare and it's not expensive? And, you know, like, or should I be annoyed at this thing? And um, I would say I'm very much still in this place of I I love being here and I hope that continues meaning like you know for some people I think if attitude has something to do with it but also circumstances for people has to do with it too and I'm very fortunate like yourself to be incorporated with an Icelandic family yeah and I feel like that was getting to those layers of society when it comes to politics when it comes to the, just the things you never hear about in mm-hmm. Iceland or about about Iceland that happens here because the people here know, but the language kind of is the the barrier. It's the yeah. the gatekeeper from information for a lot of people because you don't have like a ton of people who are because there's so much news coming out in Icelandic all the time. Like if you look through Ruv or Visir and you go throughout the day, you're like, this is like pages just for yeah. today. Right? This is yeah. this is intense. So for a country they, with what three hundred seventy-five thousand people. Yeah, exactly. But then you look at you know Ruv English, and you've got maybe an article or two for today. Right? So you're not yeah. getting anywhere near the amount of information, but also the resources in there because whatever. But this it's <laughs> that part, the, those aspects of the culture that you just don't understand, and then the perspective from me i i didn't want the show to focus on me that was like another important thing i mean my youtube channel of course the the personality wise it does but even still it's like i share my experiences but it's kind of part of a collective and that people can relate to and that's Mm -hmm. what, what is important in my mind anyway but on the podcast i only have a few episodes that are about my experience because i realized that there's so much that happens here it's outside of my experience, right? I'm I'm in a bit of a bubble in that like I came with a job in a career that I already had from the US, you know, what like all these things and like that's not everybody's life. That's not the life of people who some who live here, who born and raised here, you know, like there and then there's also I didn't understand about the politics or I didn't understand about how um, maybe someone who looks similar to me, their experience might be completely different, really mm-hmm. not positive, right? Mm-hmm. And I just, that part has been the most intriguing to me. It's like, let's dig in here. Let's just share it all. And I, I love it. I love doing that. And I love learning every day in, about positive things or about negative things because it just makes me feel like that's been my way of, 
like assimilating into the culture. I understand by asking questions, albeit you know in English, but I still get a chance then to share that knowledge. I get to pass it on because there's so many people like myself. When I came, I wish I had that resource. Yeah, I I think that's so good what you're talking about, like really understanding the society. Um, because I'm sure you've seen it as well. Like I'm part of these Facebook groups, foreigners in Iceland, and there's a lot of people who have a rough time. <laughs> like they, they don't have the connections that we have. And so we're actually, you, cause you and I are in a very similar place, married to Icelandic people, having Icelandic family, um, mm -hmm. being part of the Icelandic culture more or less. And yeah, just being able to use our place of privilege, um, yeah. to kind of dig in deep and help people from from other walks of life and like you were saying i mean the other day we were driving um uh under some bridge and they had this icelandic these icelandic words written i can't even remember what it said and these kids you know were like up there cheering and i was like what in the world and my wife was like um i'm not sure i'm gonna have to ask my sister so we asked her sister and apparently they were um they were like just bringing awareness to the fact that we haven't uh, voted in, well, Iceland hasn't voted in their new constitution. Mm -hmm. You know, we're still under the Danish uh, law and the constitution has been written, but they haven't like actually brought it in. And it's what a four year period to like get the ball rolling. So yeah, it's a lot yeah. of work. And <laughs> this was the referendum was back in 2012. So that's, yeah, like, that's exactly. a long time coming. Right? So, like, yeah. so it's like stuff like that, that, you know, that you don't normally hear about, especially as a tourist, but then especially with that language barrier as a foreigner. So mm -hmm. it's, it's really fun to dig into society and yeah, learn about stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. It's the, that's the part, the meaty part. And I say this as like a person who doesn't eat meat, but you know, it's, just, it's the, it's the, <laughs> it's the good part where you're just like, Oh, really? You know, like that's yeah. not what I, especially since the marketing after the crash was that Iceland jailed all the, I mean, they um, put all the bankers in jail. They put a new constitution. Like they did all this stuff. And it's like, well, they put some people in jail. Yes. <laughs> the constitution. No, they, they, they wrote it and it was, it's really awesome representation at the time, meaning like mm -hmm. an updated version, but it's in a drawer somewhere. It, <laughs> it's not, it's not, and it hasn't been implemented. And that has been really frustrating for people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I thought it was funny that you mentioned the whole, you know, I like that I get, you know, healthcare is really affordable, but then there's other aspects that I don't like. Tell me a little bit, especially as an American coming here. Um, I, I had, I had this well-meaning friend, he's a good friend. Um, and he reached out to me and he's like, Hey, I, I don't mean this to be personal. Like, forgive me if this is too personal, but are you guys doing okay financially? And I was so confused. I was like, yeah, what do you mean? And he's like, well, I just know that uh, that taxes are very expensive there. <laughs> and it was so funny because it's like such an American mindset. Tell me a little bit about your experience with, um, yeah, that difference between like taxes. Yeah. And... I mean, well, yeah, it's, it's hard hitting. Let's just be for real. Like, but you adapt to it, meaning like you just go, okay, that money is not part of my 
monthly spend or whatever, you know? So, but at the same time, it's like what you get for it is great. So you have like great schools, you have great healthcare. Well, I shouldn't say great healthcare. It's really good healthcare. There have been some things that there are things that need to be worked on for sure. And I think that's a part of the system. But in terms of when I go to the doctor, I pay so little. And if I needed surgery or whatever else, like I don't, I don't have fear that I am going to go into debt because of a health problem. That is a major thing. You know, like school. I paid off my student loans. It took me a while. That is not a problem that Icelandic people have in turn. If they stay in school here or if they go to certain places where they can uh, get funding. But like school here is you just pay a registration fee. Otherwise it's free, right? And it's just like that is such a freeing thing is that you're not weighed down by debt when you're supposed to be coming out being like, excited about the world and, 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 you know, being part of society. So yeah, I don't, the taxes part has not really ever bothered me, to be honest. I've never felt like I couldn't pay my bills. <laughs> if anything, you know, just no having an appreciation for where that money goes. It isn't always easy to know that's such a huge chunk of money. But then when I see things like the union, you know, everyone is basically in a union or can be in a union and the benefits from that. So just recently when I went to Isafjörður and was uh, taking Icelandic courses, I used the money from my union. So Vaf Air is the union that I'm, I'm a part of. Yeah, and yeah. I used that, my contingency fund, to help pay for my accommodations. And I used my educational fund to help pay for the classes. Yeah. And it basically paid because I hadn't been using them for some years. So they paid for me going to the West Fjörður for three weeks to learn Icelandic, right? And I was wow. like, oh. This is great. I've never had this. And and also, like, if I have um, worries about my worker rights, I know where I can go. Mm-hmm. You know, and like that's not something in the U.S. I ever... I know I've been violated. My workers' rights have been violated in the U.S. Mainly because everyone around me's workers' rights are being violated, right? Like, yeah. I see it now being here that I was like, oh, they couldn't have... They're not supposed to say that. And, you know, like, and the only problem is if I said something, I could get fired, right? Maybe yeah. the, they would find some other re- reason. And I'm, I wouldn't say of myself as like that person who stands up and be like, you're treating us all terribly. I'm just going to quit my job. It's like, I'm like anybody else, right? Like a social got... justice warrior. Yeah, yeah. Like I'd love to in my head be this way. But of course what I think immediately is like, Ooh, what's that going to mean? Can I afford this? Yes. Right. Can I afford you to calculate the risk? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas here, it's like, I could go to my union, talk to them and be like, we're going to do, do something about it. Now, I've not had to have any like times to do this, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's it's really comforting to know it's there. And my dad in the US was a teacher and he was part of a teacher's union, right? So that was like, gave them that kind of same, he had that same kind of feeling as, as I have now, but mm-hmm. I didn't have that for the first 30 years, <laughs> you know, or, or I should say whatever, uh, let's just say eight eight to 10 years of working in the United States. I, I did not have that security that like, oh, someone actually has my back in the event that like something's being done that's illegal here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's huge just having that peace of mind. Um, and at the end of the day, I mean, we make about the same amount. I make about the same amount of money here as I was in Tennessee, which granted, you know, Tennessee is more a lower income area. I work as a nurse. Well, 
that's a long story. I worked, <laughs> as a nurse up, I worked as a nurse up in Eastfield, but then I'm working at Usur, um here right now while okay. I continue to learn Icelandic before I work in the hospital. But um, yeah, like after taxes and stuff, my net pay is about the same. And, you know, I think like you're saying, just that peace of mind and, you know, literally it could be a car accident and you have to start a GoFundMe. I've seen so many GoFundMes because cancer. Yeah, because people can't pay their bills in America. And so I think it's an, an interesting discussion between, you know, that peace of mind or, you know, just relying on yourself and hopefully that cancer doesn't come or that accident yeah. doesn't happen or yeah or your um, insurance covers things that you assumed that it did that's another thing yeah. a lot of people thought they were covered and then they they aren't or their insurance dropped them or something crazy like that you know it's just like this is not the time for you to be gambling with eh, i don't know if we're actually gonna you know like be able to cover those chemo treatments like what this should yeah. not be, be a question yeah yeah, it's a basic human right. I stand by that. And I don't believe that's socialist. I think you're being a human. And I think as a society, as a collective, when you think about collectively, how much more people can do together than if you were individually doing it and how that that doesn't affect whether or not you be, can become a millionaire. I mean, and I'm talking mm -hmm. about in the United States, right? Like it yeah. doesn't have, it doesn't stop you from being, no. being a millionaire at all, actually. So this is the point that is I think missed and to think that Iceland is a hundred percent socialist, there's definitely capitalism here. Like let's be real. There's a top percent of Icelanders who are very, very wealthy. They yeah. have <laughs> access to the fish quotas and they dictate a lot. So don't believe that Iceland is this place where like everyone's like, we're just gonna hug and help each other all the time. Right? Like there are people <laughs> who don't give a crap. It, yeah, Iceland has has its um good parts and bad parts. And I, and I think it's always interesting digging into it, even with the politics, because we can't copy or um, cookie cutter design politics for every country. What yeah. works in a country with 375,000 people will not work in a country with like, I don't even know how many the U.S. has. Like millions, at yeah. least. Yeah. yeah, something like that. And, you know, you have people who live in Alaska and people who live in Florida. And so it's different, but I think it's good to have these conversations. And one of the reasons I really wanted to start this podcast is to open people's minds to how things happen differently in different countries. Mm -hmm. um, because I think the biggest thing with travel is opening people's minds. You know, like for me, living here has been so eye opening. Just, I mean, little things like even how I get my driver's license. You know, mm -hmm. you have to like. Different what a countries. pain in the butt. I'm sorry. That's so annoying. <laughs> oh, I know. Like, <laughs> and to, uh, if I didn't have a, an American driver's license, you have to take like, what, 12, 12 driver classes? Yeah. Or... And it, it, so it has like, that's the thing that's so weird is like being from the United States. Well, being from Europe is easier for sure. 100%. But being from the US is like, okay, the next step down where you're like, okay, well, technically, I still have to show that I can drive and I have to take yeah. a test, blah, blah, blah. But then yeah, if you're from some other country that's outside of these, now it's like, you don't even know how to drive. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like, I don't believe you. You're gonna have to do all of it. Right? So, yeah. yeah. It's, I don't care how good you look, you're faking it. Yeah, <laughs> you have to do all the classes. <laughs> it's like roundabouts are, they're tricky when you don't understand it, but it's not that hard. Like, but still. Like, <laughs> and yeah. don't most roundabouts, don't they do roundabouts a little different here? Yes, they like, do. 
<laughs> okay, so in other parts of, of Europe, the outside has the right of way. In Iceland, the inside has the right of way. Which, when you think about it, though, meaning like, okay, maybe I've just drinking, I I drunk the Kool Aid, you know, maybe. But <laughs> like, when I think about it, though, it is harder to get outside when you're in the innermost circle. So I yeah. like the fact that the inside has the right of way here, but you're coming from something that is, you know, if you're used to driving that way, meaning you're on the outside lane and you have the right of way, that mentality just doesn't just disappear. You have to no. consciously think about it or you're going to cause an accident. And there have definitely been accidents where people were like, Whoa, and it's like, you don't know the rule. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is sucks for you, but also for me too, because you just hit me. And thankfully, no one, knock on wood, no one's. I've never been in this situation because I watch out for it purposefully. Because I'm just yeah. like, I don't think I've been in situations where I saw a person continuously tr- tr- uh, go, and I had to stop in the inside circle. Yeah, I don't always trust the outer, outer yeah. lane. Yeah. No, that was one of the hardest things for me to get used to. I was like, what? The inside has the right of way? But like you said, it makes sense. I've drunk the Kool-Aid too. Like it makes <laughs> sense because, you know, you could be stuck in the inside and not be able to get out. Yeah. So, so you mentioned you spent three weeks up in Eastfield learning Icelandic. Tell me a little bit about the Icelandic language. Oh, yeah. It is <laughs> fun. The best time. <laughs> it's it's a journey. That's what I consider it to be because you're, it's not like, so when I was in high school, I was learning Spanish. Like most kids, they have this, you know, mandatory, and I really enjoyed Spanish. And and Mm. funny enough, at the age of 17, my school, we went on a class trip to Italy for a few weeks and I used Spanish there as best as I could. And that was such a fun experience to be able to like communicate with people, but I'd pick that up super easy. I mean, it was not like, I had, you know, there were that many grammar rules. There were some and we were in the classroom, but I wasn't trying that hard, you know? (laughs) Well, however, when I started learning Icelandic, it was like my mind was boggled constantly. Like, it's just, wait, why, why are we changing it when now your name changes from this? Why? What, what's the point of that? Right. And to the point where I was asking why all the time. And this, of course, was causing frustration for me. It was causing frustration for teachers because they were just like, just because. Like, there's a, a saying in Icelandic that's like, off the bada, off the bada. And it's like, but I don't, I want to understand. I want to have logic to what I'm doing. Even though in the English language, there's a lot of things that don't seem logical. And it's just because I grew up with it and was, you know, wrote instruction. I don't question it. But for it someone just who's looks learning, right. like, yeah, it's exactly. Because right like, it looks right. Right. Off the bada. Exactly. Yeah. So when someone asks me, I'm like, oh, it's this. And they're like, why? That's how I learned it. Okay. <laughs> like, Or if I can't explain it, I will. But in Icelandic, there for sure are rules. There are definitely exceptions. And some of those exceptions can make you feel like you're taking steps backwards. But for the most part, it's grasping and allowing your brain to flow through the fact that there are changes in how you speak to a person. So I've used this, like you mentioned in one of my videos, I have, you know, I talk about how you would change for talking about a horse, right? So it goes from like, um hest, frau hesti, till hests. So it's like, from a hor- uh, about a horse, from a horse, to a horse. Now in English, it's all horse, right? But in Icelandic, it goes from hest, hesti, hests. And it's like, what? <laughs> and that's just one example of a noun. It says this in verbs. It's this four cases. Like there's just um, your pronouns. And I, I've actually gotten so much better when it comes to grammar 
because I had to in order to break down and explain what I'm learning to myself to be like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, the nominative. Like, I've never said that before. Right? I've never had to think about the accusative, the genitive. I didn't even know what genitive was until... Yeah, I was going to say, not even in English. Like, I couldn't tell you what the genitive form of a word is. Yeah. (laughs) What is it? uh, I don't know, actually. I've never... never, It's funny, that's the thing. It's like, in Icelandic, I get that it's about... um, In that case, I think it's the from... So it's like, it's in relation to the individual, right? So it's like from this, yeah, whatever. The whole point is I still don't, I don't get it in the intellectual way of like teaching somebody. And that's why somebody's like, oh, you'd be great at teaching people. I was like, no, uh -uh, uh -uh." so I don't have a passion for this. But also I get it to a point where I can talk and I can communicate, not to a point where I'm an academic trying to like help people to get to a point where they feel comfortable explaining it. Like, no, that's... (laughs) good luck right? like, I'm, I, I support you yeah. but, but that's not my focus and anyway so um with the language though I think the most fun part for me has been the sounds because the sounds are so I like the r's I love saying the r's because it reminds me of, of learning Spanish it and, does yeah yeah and then the l's like this like sound that is very like clicking you know it's just it's and then there are letters and sounds that don't exist in English, at least not when we make regular words, <laughs> you know, it's kind of would be more like maybe babble or something if a kid were a little baby were doing it. So Icelandic has expanded my brain, but it's also hurt my brain a lot. Yeah. So I got a question um, on the podcast and somebody asked, could you do a podcast just on what high points you would hit in Iceland if you were vacationing for a week there? And we kind of talked about this before uh, starting, how difficult this is. But what would you say in answer to this question? Yeah, this is, oh, man, it's so hard. Okay. <laughs> and it, it, it's one of those things because I always like to tell people, if you can, don't just go to the South Coast. It's beautiful. And there's a lot of variety. So I get why you would go. And also, that's where the glaciers are. So going on a glacier is really important. So I would still include a South Coast adventure in your plans. But seeing how it doesn't take that much time to get, you could spend a day going to Snifel's Nest Peninsula, for instance. Like you could do that, if you, especially in the summertime, you could do that in one day. It's a lot of driving. It's maybe, you know, it, it's basically a day of driving, but it's so beautiful. And this it's beautiful will driving. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it will give you, like, Snifel's Nest has often been called a, a microcosm of Iceland. So you'd see every type of, you know, nature and whatever else in uh on the Snifel's Nest Peninsula so for sure Snifel's Nest of course the Golden Circle is is a it feels cliche but it's like it has such amazing history about Iceland specifically Thingvellir is the area where Icelandic parliament which is the oldest in the world used to meet but also it's just like a really geographically cool place it's a rift valley and you are, in, in essence, in between two continents. People are always like, oh, I touched two continents. It's like, technically. Because <laughs> I had a, a geologist explain this to me on the podcast because I was just like, is that the case? She's like, well, you're like in a stretch mark. <laughs> like, I'm like, you know, you're like, if you could actually touch two continents, you'd be, you'd have to be Stretch Armstrong and be able to like, yeah, like expand <laughs> way farther than most human capacity. So. And, here, and here's the way that I I uh, kind of visualize this because there's a place on near Keplavik where they have the bridge, the bridge between yeah. continents. Mm-hmm. And again, it's also, you know, one of those rifts. 
but yeah. that rift does not connect to Thingvellir. So right. how do you put that in your brain? Well, that's what it is. The tectonic plates are so deep that as we stretch apart, yeah, it breaks the ground in different areas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I also feel like it would be sad for you to come to Iceland, especially if it was your first time and you didn't do this. I mean, this is like the, you know, I'll become famous Golden Circle. And I did a YouTube video specifically about the other places on the Golden Circle that you can go that aren't just those three spots because there's a lot of beauty just packed in this area. Yeah. So that's like a one-day thing as well. And then Saifasas could be a one-day thing. Uh, going to the South Coast, now you'll have a lot more driving. So if you want to go all the way to Yokosalan, that's like six hours or something like that. It's really far. But Which, that's also known as the Diamond Beach. Yeah, well, across well. from it. So, like, there's Yokosalan oh, Glacier yeah, Lagoon, yeah. and then you go across the road. Yeah, which people don't like. That was the thing is that, like, going, I never, when I first visited Yokosalan, Diamond Beach was not a thing, right? <laughs> like, meaning it's a marketing, yeah. people have marketed it. Like, Icelanders yeah. don't call it, it doesn't translate as Diamond Beach. I don't even know what the name is of it. Because Icelanders, you say to them, like, oh, I'm going to go to the Diamond Beach. And they're like, and if they don't work in tourism, they're like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> Where is that, first of all, right? It's just like, oh, it's that place. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, I know that place, but we've never yeah, called it Diamond Beach, you know? Um, so, yeah, going there, but then you have, like, Skaptafet, where you could go hiking, you could go on a glacier, you can go on Solhemioka Glacier. Like, there's so much there that I would spend at least a couple of days there, meaning if you don't have an itinerary that's just like, let me go, just take a picture or whatever. I would also, from this area... Because you can go um, from Sædalandsfoss, is it Sædalandsfoss? No, from Skogafoss. You can no Sædalandsfoss. Sorry, you can go take that path to go to the um, highlands. Mm. So there's one place that I mean I love very very many places in Iceland, <laughs> but I absolutely love Thorsmark, which is in the highland area, or it's like getting towards the highland area, and they've been doing a lot of reforestation there, and you can take. And if you're really into hiking, you can uh, take the Fimbrahaus Trail. Now, this is getting into beyond week, to be honest. But <laughs> I, there, there is the possibility of taking a one-day tour with a, a super jeep. I, I say super jeep. I should stop saying that. Like, uh, <laughs> because they're not jeeps. I mean, that's the thing. It's like it's such a misnomer. But Icelanders like to call them super jeeps, even though they're like um, – Defenders. Defenders, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is like why, Range Rovers. Why, yeah. I've just heard, heard it so many times in my life. But you have to cross rivers in order to get there. But you I've taken one day trips to Thorsmark. I've taken one day trips to Lanamonologar. Getting a view or any interaction with the highlands of Iceland is such a special experience that I just I can't stress it enough to people that put that if you're gonna be here for a week, put one day of your plan to go to the highlands. Lanmalogad, you can go there and hike around, and then um, it, it's definitely a one-day thing, and you can go into the hot spring there. So you would get kind of a two-for-one. You know, you get to the highlands, and you get a natural hot spring that's available. Uh, Thorismork, you would get this, like, beautiful forest area, but then you can also see views of parts of the highlands, and you don't have to go walk very far there. So you have south coast, Highlands, Snifles Nest, Golden Circle. That's already like, you know, what before, but you'll be pretty tired. So you can have, <laughs> you know, like spend maybe a, uh, at least, I would say about two nights uh, south coast area. And Reykjavik. I mean, we can't forget about the largest, well, the only city <laughs> in, in Iceland. Hopefully and... nobody from Akadena listens to this. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they're, they are a technically. big town. Yeah, yeah. technically, exactly. <laughs> I'm not taking anything away from them. It's just facts. 
<laughs> according to how it <laughs> how it's written. <laughs> so, um, and I feel like in Reykjavik, as much as I do not uh, ever recommend people spend their whole time in Reykjavik, but you should, in my opinion, get a sense of the vibe, see some of the other historical things that are here. I mean, it's very easy to walk around the downtown Reykjavik area, get a free city walk that they have, and you get you know you just get these aspects of the culture, and also. There's really good food. There's a lot of variety there as well. So that's not something you're going to get out <laughs> when you're driving the South Coast. You'll get parts maybe in Beak. You might get um, some little bit more variety. But for the most part, Reykjavik is that epicenter of kind of more diversity, a lot of cultural aspects like museums and things like that. And then, yeah, and, and fun. If you like to party, go to bars and clubs and stuff. Yeah, after COVID, of course. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And what about if they had like a longer, longer time here in Iceland? What are some of your must-sees, like even on the East Coast and the North? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I we so Gunnar and I did a two-week trip around Iceland this summer. And we were like, uh, it was incredible, but it was so tiring, but purposeful. It was like, We've, I have a list. I'm a very organized individual. I love listing things out, checking them off. And as, so for some people that might be like, oh, you're taking away from, you know, the experience of being in the moment. It's like, I'll, I'll have my moment when I get there, but I just want to make sure I get there, you know? <laughs> and for instance, so the places I've mentioned, of course, and the West Fjords. So we've talked about the fact that I went to West Fjords. And on that trip for those three weeks, I was mostly spending my time in Isafjord. Like I would go hiking and stuff there, but I'd been to the West Fjords earlier that summer, <laughs> earlier in the summer of this this past summer. So I didn't feel like I needed to, you know, do that stuff again. But we went to Lautraberg, which is this cliff area where you see all these birds and also the puffins. So the puffins are only in Iceland in the summer. So if you want to see them, you kind of need to, you know, make your summer plans in essence. We went to Roidisanter, which is this red and it's not like a deep red but it's just like a beautiful hue of red and it's a beach that looks like it's kind of whitish sand beach but then you see the red color coming in and it's so stark when you're driving you're just like is that a is that like the caribbean you know what i mean the water is like super clear and beautiful like it just doesn't make sense in iceland because you're normally so used to black sand beaches that it's like mm -hmm. whoa this is insane. And you don't have to be a good photographer. Your smartphone is enough for you to capture some amazing photos. So yeah, West Fjords is uh, Dinyanti, which is this huge waterfall. So much. And then going north, you have like, it's just, as you continue on, you know, you'll um, come across things like Dettifoss, which is the largest waterfall in Iceland, in Europe, I believe, by volume. And so it's it's insane. Like, I would definitely go around the country. You can do it in two weeks. I've done it. <laughs> so I can say for 100%, you can. Is it an insane itinerary? Yeah, but whatever. <laughs> like, there are there are at least like one day where we rested. But other than that, we were like, at Gunther at time, he's he is not that type of traveler like I am. He's like, okay, can we just chill out? And I'm like, no, we got places to go. And like, if the weather's good. So for instance, for the summer solstice, that I think it's like the 21st or something. Because uh, yeah, yeah we went June in, 21. Yeah, so we went from June into July. And 
we I, I didn't even think about the salsas because I was so tired. But then when we got off the ferry in the West Fjords, we took the ferry from Sniper's Nest, from Sticky's Holmwood to the West Fjords. And we got off and, and we went to the place we were staying and something like hit me. And I just got like super energized. And I was like, let's go on an adventure. And it was like nine o'clock at night. Okay. And I was like, we should go to La Terapiarque. We should look like all the places that like, you know, we won't have time for later. And he's like, that's a lot of driving. And I was like, I was looking at Google Maps. I was like, no, it's just like, Three, like three hours, right? <laughs> but I've forgotten because we've been there a long time ago. The road is terrible. The potholes are awful. We're driving a Renault Megan. Okay, we're not in like a like a Jeep or something that's above way above the ground. My car is like this much above the ground, <laughs> so we're like going really slowly around. Or if we can't avoid it, it's like going slowly into the thing. Yeah, go ahead. yeah. We didn't get home. I don't even know. It's like three o'clock in the morning or something crazy. And it was a great adventure, though. I'm, I am I was happy. He was happy that I was happy, I think. <laughs> and he got to have candy along the way to keep him energized. But other than that, it was just like, we, we're doing this. So if, most people, when they come, they have a limited time. You want to do it. You can, for sure. If you have more time. So when we went to the East, we ended up seeing some beautiful things, but there was a lot of fog for like the Mm. two days we were there. So that was unfortunate that we didn't get to see as much. So the East Fjords specifically is where I need to go back to. It's, you know, but say this Fjordar is gorgeous. It it almost feels like it's this hidden away fairyland of creative people and just like fascinating, like vibe when you get there. And it's so beautiful in the, in the fjord itself. Um, which, I mean, all fjords, in my opinion, are, are beautiful. But this one, the vibe is just so different than what you're used to because it is a town of the creative people, in essence. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, Iceland itself, of course. And that we didn't even go into the middle of the country for on that two weeks. So you could, of course, have two weeks where you're just going around. Or you can, you know, expand a little bit longer and make sure you get a, a trip into the highlands. Like, um... For people who are really big into hiking, I've done a nine-day hiking trip in the Highlands, and it was exhausting, but one of the best experiences of my life. And you was just in awe of, like, the beauty, the raw, like, wind and rain. And it's just, like, it's insane, but it's awesome. And, yeah, there's just so much to do. <laughs> Feeling the forces of nature out there. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't done that, actually. That would be really, really fun to do. I recommend it. Yeah, I'll do that. So for somebody, and of course, things are kind of locked down right now with COVID, but for somebody who wants to come to Iceland, what are some must-have things to bring with them? Mm, Yes, being prepared. Packing is so important. Layers, specifically. So this isn't something I understood when I first came, and it only working out in a company that's for outdoors (laughs) adventures is when I was like, oh, is that how you protect from getting soaking wet right, or something like that? Because I just, I had a raincoat, but I didn't have a good enough one for sure. And I ended up getting, when I would go back to New York or something, because I don't shop here. I'm no offense to Iceland, but it's expensive. You know, uh, you can shell out for something like a, a 66 degrees north, you know, jacket, which will keep you protected. But it just depends on how much you want to spend. And for me, it was like getting something from uh, Patagonia. Like I got a nice rain jacket from there. That's been with me for years. And that's not just for outdoor adventures. That was just for like everyday life because it was it rains quite often. Uh, but okay, the biggest things is if you're going to come in the summertime, you don't need like 
the long johns layer. Most people do not need that unless you're going to go into the highlands because you can experience and on a one day trip, it's different. But if you're going to be staying overnight in huts and stuff like that, you can experience um, winter like conditions <laughs> any time of the year. It snowed in July and whatever else in the highlands. There, there's snow on some mountains as well still in the yep. summertime. So, you know, <laughs> it's, um, but for most people in summer, if we're going to just separate the two, you usually need like your layer that would be considered like a mid layer, which is in essence, like it has a little bit of, of water repellent, um, feature to it. And if it got dirty or something, you can easily like, kind of wipe it off, but it's still very breathable. Like the whole point is that it still has a little bit of insulation, but a, a bit of protection, like on your pants and having, um, a layer as for what you're wearing on top top kind of a similar thing i use my Icelandic sweater uh, a loba pesa so the wool sweater throughout the year because it can just depend on how chilly it might be but i've used them for sure in the summertime when i was going on an adventure i would have it in my my backpack um but most of the time i would have like just a nice thin shirt that i got from like uniqlo that was supposed to be like a, a heat tech shirt i don't know if that actually is real <laughs> but but in my mind it is <laughs> that's all that matters yeah and then i'd have a jacket that was water resistant or you know had some really good repellent to it because that's the biggest thing is you need a good hood you the wind and the rain in the summer and the rain is sideways often not all the time but a lot of the time and to expect that you're going to get a still day in iceland is literally like trying to win the lottery right you're just like <laughs> and umbrellas don't on... exist here hmm Umbrellas don't exist right. here. Yeah, you you'll look like a tourist with an umbrella, basically. And so if you ever want to stick out like a sore thumb, walk around with an umbrella. <laughs> or if you want to get feel like you're getting scammed, go and try and you know, get someone to sell you an umbrella because that would be because <laughs> it will break and you'll be annoyed and you'll be wet. Yep. But uh, when it comes to winter, now you need all three layers. So it's like summer is like mostly two, sometimes three up top, but. For sure, three in the winter because it can get quite chilly. And so you have that like long johns layer. Then the other layer I talked about that maybe has a little bit more insulation on the inside so that it's like a little bit thicker. Um, and then you can also have your rain resistant pants. So that was the other thing. Yeah, sorry. For summer, having the pants that you can pull over that are water, uh, really, really water repellent, not like a rubber, but they just do a really good job of letting the water roll down because there will be days when you're out and if you're hiking specifically, You'll need that just to have in your backpack. They're super light and easy. But um, anyway, so for winter, having those with you, but having more like just thicker layers for sure and a winter coat, hiking boots for both seasons. Um, I usually always tell people to bring at least a nice pair of, of sneakers or whatever else to walk around town. Like you don't need your hiking boots around town. But if you're not wanting to spend the space on, <laughs> on bringing an extra pair of shoes, that's fine. But um, yeah, because like people go to restaurants here in their hiking clothes. No one cares. But a lot of Icelanders like to dress up and go yeah. out. So if you want to feel like you're part of that or just have a moment when you're dressing up, you know, you can have some clothes for that, too. Yeah. Gloves. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, gloves, hats, <laughs> you know, wintertime stuff. So Come prepared for weather. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. After living here for several years, what has been some um, interesting Icelandic cultural aspects that have surprised you 
or that you kind of like or that you've started doing? I know you made a, a YouTube video um, about this. <laughs> yeah, the, the habits that I took on. Have picked up, yeah. Yeah, it was like, who am I? I don't even know sometimes. But um, <laughs> yeah, there have been a couple of habits that I... I wouldn't have expected from myself because I thought I was like, so New York, whatever that means. I don't even know. Like, I, you know, you think you know something and you like, you meet, yeah. But in Iceland, um, I'm very much like into wearing wool sweaters. <laughs> like I'm like, I'm, I'm such into the colors too, which I'm not so sure if that's super Icelandic though. Cause they like a lot more of like darker colors and things, which is a very New York thing, but I have a vibrant personality. So I'm trying to like, I think like, no, I just like the the colors. I think they're really cool, and wearing them and and my fashion sense that way. Like my fashion is now tailored towards the weather. So of course uh, in New York it would be like yeah these clothes I wear in spring or whatever, but there's a lot of the stuff that I have has to do with how well can it re like keep up with the fact that the weather can change at any time. It has mm -hmm. to be versatile for like oh it looks cute now, but like my I don't want my sneakers to get soaking wet in the next five minutes when it decides to rain, right? And then I'm ruining my sneakers and they stink on the inside or something like that. So I have like clothes more now that are geared towards the possible changes that can happen here. And one of them wearing Icelandic sweaters is that they're really good at keeping the water from getting um, seeping deeper in. And so I find myself sometimes just, just wearing one of those, like, well, I'll wear a shirt underneath because it can be itchy. <laughs> and then wearing my sweater and maybe a little light jacket over that. So that was like, I, I would have never assumed I would take that on, you know, like I was not wearing sweaters like that. <laughs> I was not, I, I crocheted before, but I've learned to knit. Of course, of course I'm making my own sweater. Nice. <laughs> right? Like it's like a rite of passage or something. Um, saying things in Icelandic, even when I'm speaking in English. So I've, I talked about this in the video that sometimes I, I say like, nay, or yow, like I'm answering this way. And my, I'm talking to my family in, in New York and they're like, okay, whatever. You know, they're just like, and it, you know, it's just kind of funny. Like they think it's cute at first and then they're like, Jules, you could just say yes, you know? And I'm like, yeah. Stop trying to impress us. Like <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. really getting annoying. <laughs> um, mixing up. So sometimes thinking of the Icelandic word before thinking of the English word, woo, that's weird. That mm -hmm. is, that'll, that'll get you. Cause you're like, no, it's seeping in and taking over. Like I was, I was afraid and I still have to some degree have been afraid that like my English is just going to deteriorate like crazy if I just speak too much Icelandic, right? That's what's going to happen. And that's probably more of an excuse to not study sometimes, but, <laughs> but, like, but still it is one of those things that, you know, it can feel weirdly invasive when you're taking on something so much, you know, and I remember once when I first was writing blogs, I've stopped doing that, but to, to some extent, but when I was writing blogs and it was like titled, is that me talking? Because I didn't recognize myself speaking Icelandic. Like it sounded like a foreign voice coming out of my mouth, you know? And it's mm. like, whew. We could literally keep talking forever, but uh, let's go ahead and wrap up now with the rapid fire facts section. <laughs> What is your favorite airport that you've flown through? Uh, anywhere? Yeah, anywhere in the world. Okay. I went to Bali in 2019. And I had to stop off, I believe, is in Taiwan. And I loved that airport because 
I can't remember the name of it exactly, but they had a gym. <laughs> and it might sound, yeah, it might sound like really random because I'm not that person who normally is like, I'm not obsessed with going to the gym or anything like that. Yeah. In fact, I work out at home. That's what I prefer. <laughs> <laughs> but in this case, I was like, I was on a flight from New York to Taiwan for 16 hours. And even though I had a, a yeah, exactly, your face, mm-hmm. you're like, what? I had on these socks that were like compressor socks, like help with blood yeah. flow. Like I, I, all of these different methods. I was getting up often, but also I was like, I was super afraid that like somehow my circulatory system and everything would be affected by being on a plane for so long. And, um, and I've been obsessed with my Apple watch <laughs> telling me I need to exercise. <laughs> so I had changed. I had clothes in my carry on for me to change and go and work out at the, the gym there. And I was there by myself. People walking by being like, what is this chick doing? She's first of all, you look different than everybody else here. And you're working out. Like, why? You know, people and it was early. It was early. It was not like two o'clock in the afternoon. We're talking about maybe like eight o'clock in the morning or something. But it just kind of pumped me up for like the next flight that I had going. I felt like it, it was uh, it had, the showers were amazingly clean and they were free. Was, everything was what? free. Yeah. It was almost like walking in and it was this the gym was a part of um, this store. So it was like, a, I don't know if it was a Nike store or Reebok or whatever. So you could go and buy workout clothes, I guess, if you didn't come with any. But you just Smart. go and you work out. So it almost looked like just stuff on display, but it was at the actual gym. And then you went into the showers and it looked like somebody's renovated home that they had, you know, yeah. And as soon as you finish, someone would come in right after or soon after and clean the place for the next person. What? 100% free. And wow. I was just like, huh. This is amazing. And I and I then I later on I went and I found a place where uh, they had those chairs where they like vibrate or whatever. Didn't have to pay for that either. And so yeah, it was just a really nice and I bought like a doll for my mother and I just went like walking around. It was just like a nice open it was it's a big airport. Uh, so I had to do a lot of walking on top of my exercising. <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed that. Do you uh, prefer group or solo travel? Mmm, that's a tough question. Okay. So I solo traveled to Bali and that was a great experience because I'd never solo traveled before. So I, it was one of those like learning experiences for me. However, if you get a good group, it's hard to beat, honestly. And so I'm going to go with group travel only because it, I've, I've had really good group experiences. I've had one, I had one that was sucked, but it was people that I didn't really know that well. And so I was just like, I'm not going to do that again. But when I've traveled with family, when I've traveled with really close friends, it's been awesome. Yeah. Do you prefer beaches or cities? Beaches. Definitely. I, I grew up in a city. I love the city. But my heart, I'm, I call myself a beach bum <laughs> because I love the beach. <laughs> if you, yeah, beaches are awesome. If you could travel by train or by bus, which would you prefer? Train. As a kid, I don't, maybe I don't have to explain why. Sorry, train. <laughs> no, it's like it's okay. It's it's we're doing longer form answers, so that's that's fine. Tell me why you prefer train. Uh, as a as a kid, we would go from New York City to Rochester to visit my uh-huh. grandmother, and we would take the train. And I just have such fond memories of that. And for some reason, even though trains could probably be gross too, there's something about a bus that seems way more gross to me. I don't know why, but like I like trains. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite city that you visited? That's a good question. I really, I feel like this is kind of cliche, but I really loved Paris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm not interested in living in 
in France or in Paris. But there was just something that was super cool about like the way people dressed. And I also had a good experience there. So I don't speak French, but I made it a point wherever I went to be like, bonjour. Like I would just automatically start out with bonjour. And that relaxed people, you know, in some way. So it was like, but then when I came out with English, you know, they were still receptive to me, which was good because, but anyway, but I also felt like, wow, this is like, people are super fashionable here. Like in New York, people are fashionable, of course, too. But I almost felt like there was like an unwritten dress code (laughs) that I was not exactly adhering to. Cause I was like, it was summertime. It was really hot. And I was like, oh, everyone's okay. They're, They're dressing a little bit different than I am, but that's fine. Yeah, and I, and the food was really good. And we just, yeah, it's really fascinating. The buildings, oh my God. Like, they're so old and so beautiful. And it's just like someone's apartment building. You know? yeah. <laughs> it just looks yeah. like it should be like, yeah. And yeah, I, I really appreciated just being able to see that. I love that. And then last question. This can be as long as you want it to be. What makes travel worth it to you personally? Hmm. Opening up my perspective about myself, other people, the world in general. I often hear about like what a culture is like. Like someone has their opinion, like, oh, French people are like this, or oh, Icelanders are this. And then you go and you meet people and you're like, mm, of, not, of course not everyone's like this, but you have an expectation, right? And for me, travel has really like stopped me from labeling people as they are this now you can say okay maybe there's like a big group of people in the country that do this and generalization can be fun when it's just like you're maybe poking a little bit of fun at you know a culture but on the whole just as much as they learning they're learning about like you know a person from the u.s doesn't have to be an ungrateful monster (laughs) who comes to a country and just is really disrespectful um i can learn that, you know, going to Bali, for instance, like I learned a lot there. Like the the worth ethic is insane. Hmm. And it almost made me feel like it was just unfair, right? Because there's people getting up at four o'clock in the morning, going to pick durian fruits, you know, to sell in the market and they're getting paid so little or like having a guide for a day was $50 in Iceland. And he's driving you everywhere, giving you facts, telling you whatever. In Iceland, it's like, that same guy, that same type of treatment might, might have been like $3,000 or something, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's just like the dis- the discrepancies, the differences in how much people are giving into like just having a livable, hopefully livable existence. And then you go somewhere else and there's these, you know, these contrasts and it doesn't make this person lesser than because they're making less money, they're still putting in a ton of effort and whatever, you know? So it's like this humanity part that kind of gets missed, I think, sometimes when you're in your own bubble and you're seeing it on TV about what a country is or what they do, and you start to assume that you understand, you know, them, when you really need to go there and you need to talk with people and you need to get lost and you need to, you know, and like, and and, and part of yourself needs to shift. Like, that's what makes you, I feel like with travel, so worth it and also like they you know people were saying like money doesn't make you rich like travel does like these experiences do because I, my life has shifted so much just from coming here from going to these other places that I've talked about and, and continuously traveling and being open minded thank you so much for joining us today 
If you enjoyed this episode, be sure and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share this conversation with your friends. You can find me on social media at Travel Worth Living or on the web at TravelWorthLiving.com. I sincerely hope you'll join me again next week for another incredible conversation about travel. I'm Seth Sutherland, and this is Travel Worth Living.